Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score. Your victory over Arkansas edition your tigers are six and six they are going to go to a bowl game that's pretty cool they beat our most hated rival the arkansas razorbacks that's pretty cool they did it once again in a one score fashion okay that's that's less cool but they did it bk how are you feeling i'm doing great i thought that was the most fun football game of the year now i didn't say it was without stress because that would not be an accurate uh representation of what we just watched but it was fun like that we, we said it going into the game, Nate, that the way that these teams match up, it sets up for a game that should be really fun to watch, even if it doesn't go Mizzou's way. Like, it was kind of the anti-Kentucky game, where we knew Kentucky would probably be close. We also knew it would probably be ugly. Same thing was true for Auburn, right? Neither of those games set up for, like, a whole lot of fun to watch. This one was the opposite, because Arkansas's defense stinks. Their offense can win with explosives. Missouri's offense had shown some more signs of life recently, so they're going up against a bad defense, which should help them play better. And Missouri's defense gets a bunch of Havoc plays, but also gives up explosives. So Mm -hmm. it was just like this perfect concoction for what could, if everybody played up to expectations, be a really fun football game. And that's exactly what we got. So like big picture... I'm just really glad we watched, got to watch that game because it was a hell of a hell of a lot of fun to to watch for three and a half, four hours. Yeah, yeah. I the probably the most fun game I've ever seen in my life was the 2013 Cotton Bowl. Mm, yeah, that was 2014. Missouri Oklahoma State. 
right? Yeah, 13. That was the, the last game with James Franklin, Michael Sam, Coney Ely, all those guys, right? The fumble and, six, scoop and score. Yes. And that game was really weird because you had these two really competent offenses and two really good defenses, and the first half was all defense. No mm-hmm. passes were being completed. No runs were being broken. It was like 10-7 or something at the halftime. You're like, oh, wow, this was a slugfest. And then the second half fits, and then it was – Bam, big play touchdown. Bam, big play touchdown. It was like it was like this crawl that ended up into a run that ended up in a sprint. And then you had Sam stripping the quarterback, Clint Shelf. Uh, you know, we had Shane Ray scoop it up, return it for a touchdown. They went by 10. Like that was like a slow crawl that ended in just a dead sprint. That was a lot of fun. This was the exact opposite. This opened with like bam, big play touchdown, bam, big play touchdown. And then the defenses went, no, 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 no more of that. And everyone kind of settled in and just held on to to where they were. Uh, it was, yeah, it was like World War One. You 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 sprint as fast as you can and set up your trenches, and then just trench, trench, trench for the rest of the time. And I don't know, like, I think this is how Missouri is going to play under Eli Drinkwitz. Like, it's just you might get up, you might not, but it's going to be run based offense. Hope for a couple big plays here or there. And then if you're up, pack it in and hold on to the end of the game, <laughs> which is not, it's just not a, a, a great aesthetic to watch, but it is when it works, it works. I don't know. It, it was, I guess this is the peak of, this is the best that this Missouri team is certainly going to be. And, and it just, just kind of seems like this is how Eli Drinkwitz likes to play. So if this is it and you win, I'm okay with it. I mean, let's start here. I think that was the best win of the Drinkwitz era, right? Like now looking back to South Carolina leap Ella, because yeah, of what we saw yeah. from South Carolina the rest of the year. So at the time, at the time of the victory, LSU was the most impactful, biggest win. But looking back, I was like, well, that LSU team was crap. Yeah, they weren't good. South Carolina, you're like, well, okay, we just won by double digits against a terrible South Carolina team on their own. Cool. And now they've knocked off two top 10 teams. So like, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say at the time, Again, the rivalry thing, but like Arkansas, Barry, you had lost the last year, the manner in which it was won. Yeah, I'd say this is probably certainly top three. I would, if you argued number one, I would say yes. Oh, I, yeah. Like, I, I think that the two best victories of the Drinkwitz era have both come within the last calendar month. Like, I think it was at South Carolina. And maybe that's another thing that pushes that one over the top as being, quote unquote, the best is that it was also on the road, which is something mm-hmm. that this team has not done a lot of in its recent history. Um, so that that's probably the correct answer for the best victory under Drinkwitz. But I think Arkansas at home to get to bowl eligibility, given the fact that Arkansas, they did, they were without a couple of defensive starters, but I mean, they, they seemingly wanted that game. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, it, it wasn't as if they had just laid down, like KJ Jefferson played rocket Sanders was in the game, although he was not effective whatsoever and credit to Mizzou's defense for shutting him down. Like that was, that was just an all around really, really good win. And you mentioned, you think that's kind of like the best version of this, this team. I think the reason why is because it was the best version of this offense. I mean, Mizzou offensively, I understand like all the disclaimers of, hey, but you're going up against a poor defensive opponent. I get that. Like that, that is 100% correct. Brady Cook played really well, man. Dominic Lovett was awesome. Luther Burden showed you the big play capability and came up big in the red zone. Mookie Cooper came up with a few big plays in that one. 
Yeah. Uh, Makai Miller only shows up in crunch time on big third town plays, like, mm-hmm. which is odd, but it's a lot of fun to watch. And I can't wait to see what his role look like, looks like next year. Uh, Cody Schrader was Cody Schrader. Four yards, four yards, four yards, four yards all day long through 18 carries. And Brady Cook also added a buck 40 on the ground. Like that was just incredible. I think that was the best version of what this Missouri offense with this personnel can be. So credit to them. Yeah. Like you said, just just because you're going up against a bad defense, you still have to perform. That's Mm -hmm. that's what I would always say. There's plenty of teams that lose to bad defenses. So I will I'll give him credit for that. It's it's not the best aesthetic, like I said, but yeah, Brady Cook, man. Let's talk about Brady, please. We we got to talk about Brady. I know that he has been the focus of a lot of ire over the season, and I think a lot of it was deserved. And he was he was certainly not perfect in the passing game uh, this game. There are there are multiple passes that were well behind. The targeted receiver. That happens every week, though. I like. I, I've seen a That's lot of people mention that. Like, a, a, yeah. a, if you watch a college football game, just in any college football game in the country, even the best quarterbacks. Like, I watched uh, C.J. Stroud today. I was I, just I, about to say the same thing. Yep. Like, C.J. Stroud looked awful today. Yes, against Michigan. Yep. And like, the, I think sometimes we have this like mythical idea of what a like not a great college quarterback, just a, a good college quarterback, what that looks like down to down. And because we watch every play of Mizzou and a lot of people, and I count myself in in this, like there's just not enough time to don't watch every down of the other games. Like we we think of what it should look like and it doesn't always look that way. In fact, it never looks that way. You're not going to have your quarterback hit every throw on time in, in the exact spot where it needs to go to. And so, no, I'm, I'm with you. Cook was not perfect, but he was pretty damn effective, man. And he also made some big plays down the field, which is something that you don't expect from him typically. Yeah. He, he was not only willing to take deep shots, he was hitting on mm-hmm. deep shots and, and, and credit to Dominic Lovett for, for being the effective recipient on most of those. Uh, Dom finishes six catches, 130 yards of Brady cooks, 242 yards through the air. So that gives you a little idea what that is, but you know, it, there was one, uh, there's one series. I remember, because it always feels like they open up with run, run, pass. And it was deep shot, deep shot, deep shot. I was like, okay, yeah. uh, thank you, Bush. This is nice. This is refreshing. It's not working, but I like that it's different. Um, so yeah, it was it was a different it was a different approach of what we've seen. And and they did kind of go back to their binky and go back to their safe plays when they were trying to run out the clock and 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 hold the lead. But I'm telling you, man, like it's not even zone read stuff. And, and it's why you know, the running backs aren't better with Brady Cook doing his thing. It's all quarterback draws or scrambling after, you know, taking his first read and then and then just hoofing it because he, he can't hit anything else. It's not opening things up for Cody Schrader as much as you would like, I don't think. And that might be part of the offensive line problem. I don't know. But really, your, effect, your, your best way of running the ball, the most effective, is for Brady Cook to either, like I said, run it up the middle, or scramble around after he can't find a, a, an open receiver. And, you know, it's worked the past three weeks. Like you said, it was 140 yards on the ground. Um, man, that's, yeah, we'll take that every day. And 
Arkansas started sniffing it out. They they plugged Drew Sanders as a spy on him in the mm-hmm. second half and basically eliminated all of his runs. But it did open him up to a couple other passes. And it certainly opened up for Mackay's Mackay Miller's clutch catch. So like there's give and take there. But man, it was it was so effective in that first half. It's what really allowed Missouri to operate. Uh, and keep up with Arkansas, and whether it worked in the second half or not, they did enough to win, and it was all—it was because Brady Cook did everything that he did in this game, specifically in the first half, to put him in that position in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I think that what you were what you were saying there about the criticism being deserved—I think it was in the first half of the season, and a lot of it was not even so much about what he was doing in the passing game as it was the mistakes he was making. Like he was just giving the ball away. And when you do that and you're at a talent deficiency the way that Missouri still is, although getting better against teams like Auburn or Georgia or Florida, for, for example, they, they just had no chance against K-State. And we knew that going in. Um, but in those three games, when you're giving it away, it, it's just not a recipe for success. And Brady Cook over his last five, he stops giving the ball away. Like what changed? Two things. He started running it more often. He stopped giving it to the other team. In this five-game stretch, this is against South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, New Mexico State. Disclaimer, that that is in there, but it actually wasn't his best game. In fact, it was, statistically speaking, like the third or fourth best game for him in this stretch. But in this five-game stretch, 65% of his passes, passes have been completed. He's thrown for 1,000 yards. He's averaging almost eight yards per attempt. Seven touchdowns, no interceptions, and he's added 385 yards on the ground with four touchdowns. So in the last five games, 11 touchdowns, zero interceptions in total, and he's averaging roughly 293 total yards when you combine his passing and rushing yardage. Mm -hmm. Guys, that's what a good college quarterback looks like. Mm -hmm. Like, not, not an average one, a pretty good one. Not elite. Not an NFL prospect, but when you've got a guy that is in his, he started now 13 college college games, and that's what you're getting in the second half of his first real season as a starter, mm-hmm. those guys typically return as a starter the next year. Mm-hmm. And that's where I would like to get it to with you, Nate, because yes. I think this is an important conversation that people don't want to have. I think Brady Cook has earned the right to be a Missouri starter, barring something unforeseen this offseason. Now, if they can go out and get somebody that is a clear and decided upgrade in the transfer portal, cool, go for it. But right now, Sam Horn, can he compete with Brady Cook? Sure. Yeah, if if he earns it in the offseason, I would love nothing more than for Sam Horn to end up earning the job over Brady Cook next year. Because that will tell you he was just flat out better. Because Brady mm-hmm. Cook proved down the stretch he can do the job if needed. But I don't know that I expect that, honestly. and. Even if it doesn't happen, I know Mizzou fans are going to get mad at me for saying this, and that's fine. I get it. Brady Cook's been pretty darn good, man. He just did something that no Mizzou quarterback has done since Brad Smith, which is finishing with 240 yards through the air and 140 yards on the ground. Not bad company. Not bad company. Yeah, that's... You don't just do things since Brad Smith and not get noticed. Right. That's not a fluke. That is not by accident. That is that is his skill set. And you wouldn't think it looking at him, but man, that's that's what he does. And you know, who says that with a year of tape that defensive coordinators don't figure out that he's kind of a one read guy and start taking away that read and things get weird and things get tough next year. Like all these things can happen. The point is we've seen this guy 
evolve, mature, improve over this season. And it, like like you said, BK, it's his first season. It's his first one. So yeah, he has earned the benefit of the doubt. We we're not in transfer portal season yet. Obviously, some of it has started. We don't know who the quarterbacks out there are going to be. I would almost guarantee that Drinkwitz brings in a transfer quarterback. Now, like you said, is it a starter or is it a depth body? We don't know. I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure I agree. I think that it is really? very much in play this offseason that they stand pat. And the reason why would be like, let's say Tyler Macon ends up transferring, which seems likely yes. at this point. Yes. Um, you end up bringing in Jabari Johnson from Washington. So he'll be a right. freshman. You've right. got, let's assume Sam Horn stays and Brady Cook yeah. is your starter. Uh-huh. And I don't know if that's a fair assumption or not, but let, let's make that assumption. I think they might just run it back with that. Like, I, I could totally see them going back into next year with, with that group. Because this year, you don't have the same uncertainty with your starter that you did going in, uh, coming off of last year, where they, they just weren't sure Brady Cook was a legit college football starter. He ended sure. up becoming one. And I, I think that's why they brought in an option for them Mm -hmm. who had experience. I don't think this year, like, in fact, I actually would argue they should not do that this off season. um, If Sam Horn says that he's staying because then you, you could a a potential byproduct of that could be. It is more likely that one of those other guys ends up transferring because you brought in somebody else. I don't think you need to do that. Yeah. You had, you had four guys that you trusted, you had three scholarship quarterbacks that you would trust with Abraham Cook and Horn, I guess, if, if that was your three mm-hmm. this year. Um, and you'd have the same next year, and you'd have Horn in his second year in the system, yeah, Cook Johnson as a second-year starter, Johnson basically yeah. in the Horn role. I think you could run it back like that. I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think I the think- only way you do it where you go to the portal is if like this year's Jaden Daniels, who has shown like a, a yes. crazy high upside. If you can get that guy, go for it. I totally understand that. I don't know who that player is going to be this year or if he's going to be available to them. But barring that, I think I would stand pat. And I know that a lot of Mizzou fans are going to yell at me for that, but that's where I would be. Man, I, I, I hear your argument. I'm not saying you're wrong. But I do know that this staff, you know how much they want to win. And you know how self-skittish they are about their quarterback situation. They've been trotting out Cook because that's the only option. Touché. He was their best option. They knew that, what, four days in the camp? They knew he was the guy, okay? So we know that of what they currently have, he is their favorite. I can't. I just can't see Eli Drinkwitz sitting and going, yeah. Run it back. <laughs> I don't, I just can't see him do I see him looking in the portal and trying to find just another guy. You know, well, we got, we, we want to challenge the guys every day. We got to bring in competition. You got to earn your job, blah, blah, blah. Right. Which it's not wrong. I understand that. I just, I don't see this staff, this, this guy, Eli Drinkwood, sitting pat with what he has at any given moment. But I could be wrong. I don't know. I, I, I could see it going either way. That That's what I would do. I don't know what this staff will do. It, it's a fair point what you bring up there. I would also add this, and this is just like, it's silly season, right? And we'll have more time yeah. to be able to discuss this at a later date. But like, I'm not breaking any news here. I'm not telling you that you should be worried about anything. I'm simply stating 
everybody in college football is a free agent starting like this upcoming week, basically. Yep. All yep. of them. Yep. And we saw this last year where if you told me midway through the season that Makai Wingo was going to end up elsewhere, I would have said, why? <laughs> like yep. He's he's playing a lot for Mizzou. He's in a really good situation. And if they're able to get this thing going defensively, like he could be a part of what they're doing to turn things around. Like he's he's the building block. Why would he go elsewhere? And then if you told me that a year later, I would be looking back and saying, hey, Mizzou's defensive line ended up actually getting better despite not having him. I would have said, how do they do that? That doesn't make yeah. any sense to me. And all, all of that happened. So the reason I bring that up is because like in a hypothetical world, if Missouri lost one of its stud wide receivers this offseason again not saying it's going to happen and i'm not even sure that it, it like it, it's even on the table but just to go down this path as to how they would potentially need to go to the portal for a quarterback i think cook is kind of a reflection of his surroundings in a lot of ways and what you might end up having to do is say hey if we lose one of these guys on the outside and we need a guy that can be a force multiplier where he makes the players around him better that's where you probably would then give even more consideration to going to the portal and saying, I don't know that we can run this back because, like for example, if Lovett was the one that left, I don't know what Cook looks like without Lovett, you know, and that, that could make things difficult. So that, that would be one way that maybe they change their thought process. Yeah, that's no, that's a good point. And something I've been thinking about really for the past couple of weeks, no one is safe. Like we talk about how in professional sports, everyone's a mercenary and they're just playing for their next contract, regardless of the colors of the, of the pants and shirts that they wear. And you know, that's true. That's not true for everybody, right? Sport athletes are not a monolith. There are some who really do give a damn about where they play or who they play for or their teammates. And like, I want to stick with this guy. I want to stick in this place. I want to be with this team. Think like, about what Martez but, Manuel went through yeah, to spend absolutely. his entire collegiate career at Mizzou. Like God, that guy's seen some stuff at Mizzou, dude. He has, he has, he's Columbia, you know, lived in Columbia when graduated from high school there, went to college there. Like he just stayed in place. And like, there are guys like that. There are other guys who are looking to secure the bag and mm -hmm. power to them for that. Like there are going to be plenty of athletes that we you know, always say, you know, there's most of us are going pro in something other than sports. Yes, we know. <laughs> so get your earning potential now. And if someone's going to pay you that, find the person that's going to pay you that, whether that's Mizzou or not, like do that. Athlete empowerment is good. Just keep in mind, you love Missouri. We love Missouri. This is the team that we 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 support and we love and all that stuff. Realistically, though, Missouri does not spend as much on sports and specifically football as, as their SEC brethren or even some ACC or Big Ten teams. Rumors, I understand what they are, but from what we understand, most a good chunk of Missouri's NIL investment is secured with a very few number of players. So if somebody has had a good year and is looking to go somewhere else, there is a good possibility that somebody outbids them. And if money is the most important part to this, you know, to a college athlete's career in college, there's a good chance that Missouri doesn't hold on to them. And we've seen that happen. Hmm. We've seen that happen. Literally within the last 12 months, we've seen that happen. So just well, look at basketball, right? We saw that happen with Trevon Brazil, who is now yes. playing at Arkansas, right? He, he, yeah. he went south because, you know, NIL is better there. Yeah. That's okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that's it. That's okay. He's gonna get booed when he comes back to Mizzou, but that's fine. Like, go get you, go get yours when you can get yours. Exactly. Um, and I, Isaiah Mosley at Mizzou yeah. in part because NIL was good there. <laughs> you yes. know, so like it it can go either direction. Luther Burden, you think he just came to Mizzou 
because he wanted to represent the homeschool? I'm sure that's part of it. Absolutely. It's not exclusive. He's got chips, man. He's got <laughs> chips. I've <laughs> eaten his chips. That's a big damn deal. Okay. Yeah. And like, no, this is not the college football that we grew up with. Yes, I'm upset about it too. This is also just how it is. Yeah. And Missouri's going to benefit from it too. Okay. This is not just a one way street. I guarantee you that Missouri's coaching staff has been calling all sorts of players that they'd love to have on their team all year and all the meddling that goes along with that. Like this, this is just how it works. It's they they wouldn't works. be doing their job if they weren't doing that. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know how we ended up on this, but Brady Cook is great. He, he uh, played really well. Really, really he's, well. He's had, he's finished this season with his best couple of games. I'm really curious to see how it goes in the bowl game. The other thing I like to point out is just once again, this defense, hello, where would we be this year without this defense? Uh, you know, I've talked about how a recipe for a Missouri loss is having a havoc rate under 19%. That's how they got blown out against Tennessee. That's how they got blown out against Kansas state. They did not hit the 30 to 35% range that I would have liked them to see. They did hit 25% powered by <clears throat> Seven sacks. <laughs> Seven. Seven sacks. And two passes defense and an interception. And ten tackles for a loss overall. I, It has been a while, BK, since I can remember the last time Missouri went over three sacks in a game. This is, this is just a, an incredible defensive performance against a top 20 Arkansas offense. I did not anticipate this happening. Uh, but I'm very glad it did. They just, they were great. And I don't know other ways to say it other than what we've been saying all year. They were awesome. And I, I think you can look at a few different players in particular that, that really stood out. And it's most of the guys that have been playing at a really high level all year. You start with Tyron Hopper, who's been outstanding. Isaiah McGuire, who fought through a separated shoulder. My God. In what many players of his caliber would say is a meaningless football game, right? Like if you're Isaiah McGuire, he he earlier today was just invited to the senior bowl. He, from what I understand, accepted his invitation to the senior bowl. He's going to be a probably top 100 ish pick. He's playing for a five and six team in a Friday black Friday game against a six and six team. Most guys say, hmm, I think I'm good. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to rest up my shoulder. I'm going to be done for the year. I did everything that I came here to do. Not Isaiah McGuire. He decided to play, and not only did he play, picked up a couple more sacks in the game and was dominant from basically start to finish. So Hopper, Darius Robinson had one of his mm -hmm. best games of his career. Martez mm -hmm. Manuel going out on a high note. Those four players, Hopper, Robert Robinson, McGuire, and Manuel, finished with a combined 25 tackles, five sacks, and seven tackles for loss. Whoa. They were amazing absolutely amazing in that one and i i wanted to also bring up like one of the keys to the game was being able to not stop but limit rocket mm -hmm. sanders right we, we mentioned this going into it just prevent those massive explosive plays he finished with 10 carries for 47 yards it was just wow. the second time all year that he was held below 60 the only other game was against lsu like it's it's just it, it was a hell of a performance by their defense. Arkansas finished with its second lowest yardage output on the season. Finished with 318 yards. I mean, just, that's what you want, man. That's what you mm -hmm. want. That's why Blake Baker is making the big bucks now. Yeah. It's incredible. 
And, you know, that could like very likely would have been the last time we've seen a, a few of those guys. And that's fine. I know that bowl games are, are uh, popular to sit out nowadays, which I am totally fine with, especially if, you know, like the situation, you're six and six. Do you really want to risk any further injury or any other potential um, you know, setbacks for to your future career for, for playing in what is essentially just a, a postseason uh, scrimmage? So I, I get that. But that, that was a hell of a game to go out on if that was the truly way. the last time we saw some of those guys. Yes, go ahead. You mentioned the sack number. I, mm-hmm. I had to look this up because you, you piqued my interest. <laughs> Do you know when the last time was that Missouri had at least seven sacks in a conference game? In a conference game? Uh, Kentucky 2014. Kentucky 2013. You were very Ooh, close. Man. 2013, November 9th, Missouri versus Kentucky. That was the last time that it happened. Missouri wow. won that game, by the way, 48 to 17. Yeah, that was a, that was the DGB game. Yeah. That's where he just was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. 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 So wow. it's it's been since like the prime D-line zoo era. Mm-hmm. That was the last time that Missouri had a performance defensively like they did in this one. Um, the guys that had sacks in that game, for those curious, just to have the kind of the way back machine. Coney Ely had two. Marcus Golden had one. Donovan Bonner had one. Matt Hoke had one. Shane Ray had one. Lucas Vincent had one. Lucas Vincent, my favorite Olathe coach. Yeah. That's right. Man. Michael Sam finished that game with one half of a tackle. <laughs> so not his best. Yeah. Everyone else balled out, though. I also really like Matt Hoke. Uh, his brother was an offensive lineman, mm-hmm. and he ended up – he came as an offensive lineman flipped to defensive lineman. Wore 89, if I remember correctly, I remember that, yep. which is just a tremendous defensive tackle number. Uh, not the most disruptive guy, but he just ate dudes up. I, I like Matt Hook a lot, man. That was a good team. That it was a really good team. That was Th- a really this good defensive defense. line. Like looking back on it, man, this was a good group that they were able to assemble. It's a yeah. really, really solid group. And they had a lot of depth and like Christian Williams had another good game. <laughs> Which was just like one of he the most sat underrated. On KJ Jefferson, man, like that is 320 pounds sitting on you. That is terrifying. Well, that's when we, when we look back, like, you, you know how we do all these pieces of like the underrated, underheralded yeah. recruits and stuff like that. Yeah. Like Christian Williams, we're going to look back on that and be like, man, that was a really good ad via the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. That guy yeah. should not have been available. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anytime anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Really shouldn't. Oregon, what were you doing? What were you doing, man? He barely played State. there. 
that is something else I want to bring up since you know, we, we talked about it, but like Eli Drinkwitz had a good portal season. Back to back. Past off season. Did pretty yeah. well last year too, all things considered. Yeah. Like he did really well in the portal. There are a couple other teams who like think of Michigan state, right? Mm-hmm. When Mel Tucker first ended up in East Lansing, he did a massive portal intake, including Kenneth Walker. And they, they knocked every single one of them out of the park. Like everybody was the right guy. They've had a noticeable regression this year, did not do as well in the portal this year. I don't think they were as active, but the point is, man, I think evaluating portal talent is going to be kind of like the next uh, market inefficiency skill, if you will, uh, a way to close the gap for teams that don't have the ability to recruit like in Alabama, like in Ohio State, you know, like a Clemson, that sort of thing. Um, if you can identify guys in the portal who can fit your scheme, good culture fits, overlooked or, or just, you know, sitting on the bench for whatever reason, that is a that is just as good as recruiting in some instances. And being able to do that consistently uh, and replace any losses, especially if you're a team that gets their talent plucked, like that's going to be a key skill. I am not ready to say that Drinkwitz is a good, well, and his staff are good portal uh, analysis guys, a good good ability to recruit the portal. But he has hit on a lot of these guys, and I think that's going to be a very necessary skill to keep going as we as we further continue into this NIL and free transfer rule era of college football. Being able to replace those losses is going to be absolutely key. I will also be curious to see like what is determined as a a, a good success rate in the portal, right? Because like you look back at a, a recruiting class, and what would you say hitting on like half of your recruiting yeah. class? I was gonna say like 45 percent, you know, is like, like a, a good year in, in a mm-hmm. high school recruiting class, and like that might mean half of them end up transferring out after two years. Like you, you mm-hmm. literally missed on them, like completely whiffed, or they become career at best special teamers. And then out of the other half, like all of them can at least become a starter at some point. And Mm -hmm. then a few of them are like really good players this year for Mizzou in the transfer portal. Like you look back at it and I I don't have the exact number of players. Maybe you do in terms of how many they took in, but I would say it was like a 75% hit rate, maybe higher than that. So you're talking 22, right? Yeah. This past season. All right, let's start at the top. Tyron Hopper hit. Mm-hmm. Joseph Charleston hit. Josh Landry. Mm. Good I would say that's a hit. Piece. He was a good rotational piece. Yeah. Jaden Jernigan, same thing, mm-hmm. rotational piece. Uh, Tyrone Hopper, big hop, uh, rotational piece. Mm-hmm. Christian Williams hit. Yeah. Nate Pete. What Ooh. would you say he was? I would say that's a miss. I I don't want it to be, but man, two key fumbles, like yeah. bad fumbles, and then getting relegated to nothing at the end of the year. I that has to be a miss. I think I'm so. Shocked. Too. I'm shocked. Same. I was really uh, excited about him. Me too. Drayden Norwood hit rotational piece. I'd take it. Well, hit. Ian Matthews has not seen the field. Yeah, I would say he's so also far, a, we'll he's see. also a, like a freshman. So yeah. I don't think and I, 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 when I watched his film, it was very clear. He was a, he was a development guy. Yeah. Marcus Clark 
the very, very late edition. Uh, right now, I think it's too early to determine. But Yeah. <laughs> Dylan Spencer transferred away. That's yeah. a miss. Tyler Stevens, I'm going to say that's a miss. I know he had the big touchdown catch. He's not a starting caliber player. He's not. Jack Abraham, miss. But yeah. he was not expected to, you know, other than just push. Cody Schrader, hit. Hit for Cody. Uh, Bency Polgar, TBD. Yeah. And then um, DJ Coleman, hit. Yeah, for sure. So that's one, two, three, four, five, Nine six. hits, yeah. five misses, two incompletes. Yeah. It's a pretty damn good hit that's rate, man. That's really good, man. That is a really good hit rate. And last year, um, you, you look back on it, and maybe it was a little lower than that. Maybe it was like closer to 50-50, but I, mean, I think they did pretty well, all things considered, given what was available to them last offseason. And they were just really like trying to plug holes at that point. Okay, the 21 transfer additions. This is really fast. Mookie Cooper. Yeah. I would say that's Doma a hit. Ogre. He's a starter. Okay. I think EJ expectations were too high, but it was a hit. That's a hit. Well, He's a starter. Yeah. yeah. Caleb Evans, hit. Yep. Connor Wood, hit. Mm-hmm. Allie Green, hit. Blaze yep. Aldridge. I know he's a crazy Viking, but hit. Yep. Is that everybody? That's everybody. Man, so you look back on it, so far they've had 15 hits, 5 misses, 2 incompletes. That's 15 out of 22. I mean, that's that's like 60-70%. If you can go back to 20, go back to 20. Damon Hazleton, Michael Maietti, Grant McKinnis, Kiki Chisholm. Like, their I, transfer I would say all four are, are hits. So that's yeah. 19 out of 26 so far that they've had that are hits. And that's, that's almost a 75% hit rate. And maybe we're being liberal with hit, but like, they sure, were maybe, starters, maybe you say it's they like 19 out of 26 came in and contributed in a meaningful way. And yeah. then out of those 19, 13 were really good players or 12 were really good players. But that's know? the thing when you're in the, you just need contributors. That's mm-hmm. what you're getting proven contributors. So I'm still not ready to say it, but I feel a lot better about their transfer portal analysis than, than I did even before we started this conversation so um yeah, yeah that's good man and, and then you look at this game and what what did we want to see all year right like that's the transfer portal impact 19 out of 26 over the last three years in some way or another were hits in this game you have brady cook who's listen i, I know people don't look at him this way and i think it's something that's kind of been unfair and undervalued about his season He's really young still like mm-hmm. in, in terms of development and also just like eligibility. Dominic Lovett is a superstar at the college level. He's a sophomore, a true sophomore. Luther Burden showed another edition of his red zone playmaking ability. My God. Um, yeah. Makai Miller came up with a big, cl- big clutch catch. And I think he's going to be a real player for them next year. I think he's going to start for him. I think he'll be in that, mm-hmm. um, that Barrett Bannister role mm-hmm. kind of working across the middle. Boom. Mm-hmm. Put Makai Miller right there. Uh, yep. Dalen Carmel, Carnell, interception. Johnny Walker Jr. sack Love. late in the game. Johnny Walker Jr., yes! Arden Walker was getting some late playing time in that game as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're starting to see... Oh, by the way, they started a freshman at right tackle, and once again, mm-hmm. I didn't notice him. Um, yep. You're starting to see some of the young talent come to fruition. It's like, okay... I wish it didn't have to take this long to get here, but mm-hmm. it finally is starting to show up. And if you're able to build on that, this is how you start to build a successful program. So 
It's getting better. I have more confidence in Missouri today than I did exactly one month ago. They were able to, in a lot of ways, salvage how I felt about the program post-Vanderbilt. Absolutely. So here, you know, we're at the end of the regular season. Missouri 6-6, six and six, overall 3-5 and five in the SEC. If I remember correctly, I think a lot of people picked him to have four wins, maybe five. I think fans I were higher than that. I thought I thought most Mizzou fans were like yeah. six to seven. The Missouri world was like six or seven. There, of course, the you know twelve and O's out there. But like, I think a lot of people were thinking six and six wins or seven wins for the year. And here we are at six and six with the opportunity to win a seventh game. Missouri has won has gone exactly five hundred like the past four years. Six and six. Barry's year when they were bull eligible, but not able to play it five and five with Eli Drinkwitz, his first year where the bowl was canceled for COVID six and seven last year, they lost to army in the bowl game. And now we're at six and six again. So regular season kind of bank on Missouri being 50, 50 uh, for the past four years. So it doesn't from the win loss column, it's about the same, but yes, the quality of the team is improving and you don't really have to squint. It is there. It's just very young. But for right now, let's not let's not talk about bowl game because you know that's that's going to be what it's going to be, and we'll address that in a second. Are you impressed with this season? Where where what are your thoughts on on where we are currently? So it's interesting because I think a lot of people view this in different ways. So I I, I think that we have to think back to where we were at this point last year, right? I, I think that's really important context to the question that you just asked. Think back to how the team won last year what were the pieces that <laughs> got them to the wins like how did they succeed Think back to it it was like tyler Beatty was a really key critical component kiki chisholm was probably overall their best wide receiver uh you looked at the defensive side of the ball it was like blaze aldridge was the the most impactful week-to-week player and then you had a couple mm-hmm. of transfers that we knew had one season of eligibility that were starting for you at corner in both evans and green Mm-hmm. So you looked at it and you were like, man, like, did they improve from where they were in 2020 to where they were last year? You could make the case that the answer to that is yes. Is it sustainable, though? The answer was a resounding no. Yeah. They didn't have their defensive coordinator in place. They had to basically completely overhaul personnel-wise that side of the ball. They didn't have a running back. They didn't have a quarterback. They didn't really have receivers that they trusted it was completely in flux as to what the team was going to look like in 2022, and they needed to develop all of that talent on the fly. Now, fast forward to where we are today, and it's why I feel better about the overall program today than I did this time last year. I think you could come back with Brady Cook as your starter next year, and I would at at a minimum feel okay about it. You have a running back that, even if not great, gives you a solid floor in Cody Schrader. You have most of your offensive line coming back next year. You have a good amount of your defensive line, although that's something they're probably going to have to hit the portal for, but it's much better than it was this time last year. You look at the secondary, it's still really young. And by the way, don't look now, Enos Rakestraw has developed into a really, really good college corner. Mm -hmm. This is a team. Oh, and by the way, the receiver position is like the biggest upgrade today from where it Mm -hmm. it was a year ago. This is a team that now looks like it is starting to build something as opposed to last year. It was like, okay, they got to six, but what does it really mean? Big picture wise. So do I, did I feel like this season was a success? It depends if you're asking me like in the micro of looking back on the six and six, how did that make you feel or what we do, which is 
are they building the right way? Yeah. The micro does six and six feel good? No, because they should have probably been at a minimum eight and four. Like they, they should have won two more games. Auburn and I think Kentucky. Those probably should have been the two. But big picture, do I feel a hell of a lot better about the program today than I did last year or than I did after 2020? I, I do. I, I really do. So I think from that perspective, it was successful. But it really, the, the answer to that question completely depends upon what prism you're looking through. How do you feel about it? I mean, I I feel good about it. I don't feel great about it. I'm not over the moon. I don't think the sky is falling though. I don't think it's a disaster. Remember at one point, Missouri was two and four. Remember that? I remember that. I subscribe to the macro. You know, this listeners know this readers know this. So I'm so macro that Yes, sometimes I don't even look at the wins and losses, which I know that's silly, but that's me. Am I seeing competent tactical football? Am I seeing smart allocation of talent? Am I seeing development of that talent? Is there an identity? Is there improvement overall or in specific areas? Do they address their weaknesses? How do they cover them up? All of these things that go into a program, building a program into something, that is what I care about. And yes, I care about winning and losing. I I prefer my team to win. I understand that. But even with all that, this team is better. Full stop. It's been better than the past two iterations of this Drinkwitz team. It's better than what we last saw with Barry. It is better. So, yes, I am pleased. They easily could have packed it in and quit. They won six games. They could have easily said, oh, we are snake bitten. We keep losing these one-score games. They kept going. So I I don't know if everybody's bought in, but there's enough bought in that they are willing to, to fight and, and, and try and win for this staff. The staff is working hard to improve the roster as they see fit to use – every trick that they have uh, to, to improve the roster, maybe not to improve the play calling, but you know, it's, that's okay. They are, they give a damn and they are working at it and the product is improving. And so, yeah, I, I feel good. I feel good about their talent evaluation. feel good about their recruiting, whatever this recruiting class is. I don't care. Uh, We've seen younger talent get in there. I don't agree with the scheme on offense. I love the scheme on defense. I feel good. I feel good. And I don't know what that means going forward. I don't know what next year is going to bring. I don't even know what this next couple of months is going to bring. But six and six, bowl eligible once again. Yeah, man. There are, there are teams that would kill for that. And my team is one of them that, that's doing it. So I feel I feel very good, BK. I feel very good. Yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. And you mentioned something there that we – we don't really talk about a lot because you and me are more into the nitty gritty of like the numbers and what it, what it looks like in the big picture and all that. It really seemed like this team liked each other. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know how much you were able to see or the listeners right now were able to see of the post game celebration. Yeah. But yeah. Like I thought it was really noticeable and noteworthy, frankly, that when Brady Cook was doing his post game interview on CBS, you had like four or five different teammates and they were uh, like different ages as well, which I think is important. Including Luther Burden. 
Correct. That came up to Brady Cook and said something to the effect of like, love this guy. Right. Yeah. Not a big deal. Like not a huge deal. But something that that stuff does matter. You know, when when you like and enjoy the guys that you're playing around. And this is not the case for every team. In fact, it has not been the case for every Mizzou team, as we know. I, I think there's real value in that, man. And I think that's part of why they were able to get this thing back on track. Because it could have gone a very different direction, especially after you lose that Florida game and then beat Vanderbilt, who was not good, and we all know it, 17-14. At that point in the season, you're 3-4, three 1-3 and, four, one and three in the SEC, and what's looking down the barrel at you is South Carolina on the road, Kentucky at home, Tennessee at home. It could have gone in such a different direction at that point, and it didn't, and they were able to get it back on the rails, and it, it, it almost kind of reminds me of like, this could have been 2019 all over again where mm-hmm. you lose that game against Vandy at that point in the season. It's it's almost like the opposite, but at that point in the season, they were five and two, two and one, the sec, and it just crumbled. It was over. They finished the year six and six, three and five in the sec. And we know what happened next. So for them to be able to keep this thing on the rails, given all of the adversity that they faced, I, I think this, this group really deserves a lot of credit for that. And I'm not the one that gives Eli Drinkwitz a ton of credit all the time. I'll give him and his staff a lot of credit because that's Mm -hmm. not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. I agree. So let's talk about bowl games real quick. When it's this, we're recording on Saturday. This will probably come out Monday. If I had to guess, Levi will be the ultimate arbiter of that, but (laughs) um, we're not totally sure where we're going to end up. It seems like there's, there's two options that seem to be the most realistic. Number one like the edge number one would be the Liberty Bowl. And then number two would be the Las Vegas Bowl. Las Vegas Bowl is interesting because there's always a Pac-12 opponent in the Las Vegas Bowl. But uh, for the past couple of years, they're alternating Big Ten and SEC. So it's an even number of years. So the SEC gets uh, an invite to the Vegas Bowl. If you ask Eli Drinkwitz or most of the players, they seem to really, really want to go to Vegas. Understandable. But it seems like a lot of the traction is pointing towards the Liberty Bowl, especially because the most likely opponent would be Kansas. BK, where would you like to go for your bowl? So I'll start with this is my own understanding based on what I've been hearing. I think Missouri wants to go to Vegas. I think Vegas would like to have one of Ole Miss or Mississippi State. I think that the Liberty Bowl would love to have Mizzou. So it really just becomes a question, first off, like I I think the top of their pecking order for Mizzou is is Las Vegas. Does Ole Miss or Mississippi State way out? Do do those teams end up getting there? Is that up on their list as well? My guess would be it, it probably is. Like Las Vegas, all of the... Tell, let, let's start here, Nate, before I answer your question. Do you think Las Vegas is the most appealing bowl of the pool of six? And for those that don't know, it's the Tax Act Texas Bowl, the Las Vegas Bowl, the Music City Bowl, the Gator Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, and what used to be known as the Outback Bowl. So Tampa, Memphis, Jacksonville, Nashville, Las Vegas, or Houston. Those are the those are the locations. I mean, Vegas, baby. Vegas. Okay. That's kind of where I'm at as well. 
So it's the most appealing, and I get why Mizzou fans would want that, and why Mizzou specifically, especially the players, would want to go to Las Vegas. As a fan, give me Memphis. First of all, I love Memphis, Tennessee. I think it's a fantastic weekend trip. The only thing that stinks about this, if I'm not mistaken, is that it's on like a Wednesday night. So the timing Mm. is unfortunate. It would be way better if it was like December 30th going Mm. into the weekend, but it's the 28th and that is a little bit of a bummer. But I I would love to go to Memphis to watch Mizzou take on KU. I, I just think that would be an absolute blast. It's a super easy drive. It's relatively affordable. You can go there and back. You can get there Wednesday, stay the night, hang out on Thursday, grab yourself some good barbecue, get back to your place, at least here in St. Louis, by the end of the day on Thursday. So mm-hmm. that would be my choice. What would your choice be, Nate? Uh, I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted. On the one hand, yes, as a fellow St. Louis resident, Memphis is really easy to get to. Mm-hmm. You do play your most hated rival, Kansas. It's. It, I've never been to Memphis, so I can't speak to the locale, either in you know the people, the food, all that stuff. Think like I hear good mini things. Mini New Orleans, basically. Yeah, I hear good things. Um. Yeah, regionality, actual most hated rival. You have been in the Liberty Bowl in the past four years, but, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Uh, it seems to really like you. The bowl likes you. So, you know, all that stuff. I I don't want to play Kansas in football. And I understand that we will be playing them in a couple of years. I don't think Lance Leipold's going to be around for that game. <laughs> and uh, I know he's going to be around for this one. Granted, you know, they've they are six and six. They they started hot and kind of came back to earth with what Jaden Daniels got or, or Jalen Daniels, sorry, uh was injured. So there there is some I am mixed about that that aspect because I don't like I said, I I feel good about this Missouri team. I don't know how they would do against Kansas and God, I do not want to even open the possibility of losing to the Beakers. So mixed bag on that one. Vegas Vegas, 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 not super easy to get to. However, you can get there from St. Louis relatively easy. And the flights are not crazy expensive. They're not crazy expensive. Also, do we maybe know an enterprising young woman who used to be around Vegas who might be politicking for her team to possibly go back to Vegas? I don't know. DRF hit me up. Let me know. Um, here's the downside of that one though. You would be playing like the number three, number four team in the Pac-12, which is not finalized yet. We don't know who the champ is, and then we don't know if USC is going to make it to the playoff or not. But yeah, coming into you, the day, we thought that was going to be Oregon State. Like it felt kind of established, and then Oregon State beat Oregon and threw everything so into flux. <laughs> it could be Utah, it could be Washington, it could be UCLA. Like that's the point is that's a much much tougher game. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be favored. You'll probably lose, but you're in Vegas, and expectations are low. Like I don't know. I think it depends on what you want. If you want a memorable, a possibly memorable game, good or bad, ease to get to, yeah, go Liberty. 
If you want a unique experience, going out to Vegas and playing a really good Pac-12 team, go Vegas. I don't think there's a bad answer here, and either one, I'm happy that they're going to be there. But I think for me, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Vegas in this one. Uh, we'll we'll get to Kansas eventually. We know they got them on the schedule, so that's not as pressing a matter. Go go throw your money away at the in the sand, and then uh, go see your team play a really good Pac-12 team. I think that'd be a very cool experience. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a lot of fun. I, like. Like you mentioned, there's no bad option here. As long as Missouri doesn't drop down into the Bulls after the pool of six where you're going sure. to Birmingham, um, yeah. I think you're in a pretty good spot. But that would be like the only way that I think things go awry. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's going to happen, right? Because Vandy's eh. going to, as as we're listening right now, or as we're recording right now, Vandy's getting destroyed. They're not going to win. So they're not eh. going to get to the six and six bowl eligibility. Um. Texas A&M is going to be five and seven. It looks like they're probably as we're recording, they're beating LSU. Um, Auburn's five and seven. You, I think would be a more appealing team right now than, than Arkansas. Um, so I, I think Missouri will not fall to the Birmingham or the Gasparillo. I mean, you'd like to think that, but crazier things have happened before. I think it would also really help Mizzou if Bama gets into the college football playoff. Oh, I don't think that's happening. We sure? I I mean, no, but I don't know. <laughs> it's a weird day today, man. A really uh, weird day today. So we need TCU to win out. We need USC to win out. And then, yeah. I don't well, that would be the way to not get Alabama in. I know. You want, if, if you're a Mizzou fan that wants Bama in the college football playoff, you need one of those teams to lose. Yeah, probably TCU. Know. You probably need TCU to lose to K State. I would prefer Bama to not be in the playoff at least one year. Touché. That's that's where I stand. My team, whatever, that's fine. Uh, wow, we've gone almost an hour here. This is good. Um, BK, any final thoughts before we get out of here? We'll probably take some more time in the off season to really kind of go through like what what all of this means in the grand scheme of things and. Um, looking a little more big picture, although we did a, a decent amount of that today. But I would just say that was a really significant win mm-hmm. for Eli Drinkwitz, for this program, for the ability to get into one of the two bowl games that we just discussed. Like all of that felt important. And for them to be able to end the season on a high note, I thought was meaningful for Brady mm-hmm. Cook to finish the season the way that he did, I thought was really important for him personally. Um, and I'm, I'm glad that we get to watch this game for one more, or I, I'm glad we get to watch this team for one more game rather. And yeah. about a month ago, I didn't think that I was going to be saying that I was pretty <laughs> done with watching this football team. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll address everybody who decides to hit the portal or sit out and all that stuff. When we, when we get there, um, we will be going back to one show a week. Uh, this is obviously, you know, we'll, we'll do a show this Wednesday, but since there's no games to recap, we're going back to one a week. So we'll still be sticking around through the month as we head into whatever bowl that Missouri will be going to. So you can still anticipate our, our, our voices in your head for once a week for at least the next month. But uh, that's going to be the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. Leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And, of course, you can follow the Rock and Flagship at Rock and Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.